for joining us for another episode of Ask a Historian. I'm Matthew Wilkinson, historian with Heritage Mississauga. Like, subscribe, and follow us, and stay up to date on all the heritage happenings with Heritage Mississauga. And please don't forget to send in your questions, and we'll explore them here on Ask a Historian. Joining us this week is, well, our very own Heritage Mississauga's Collections and Resource Lead, Justine Lynn. And we are here to explore, chat about, talk about a very exciting happening here at Heritage Mississauga. And that is the long-awaited and anticipated uh, release of our newest comic book, uh, The Grange Volume 13, Legend of the Raid. And this has uh, been a baby of Justine's for pretty close to a year now, I think. Uh, and so uh, the rest of the world's about to find out what we've uh, we've been working on and uh, a, a labor of love and uh, couldn't do it without the talents of artist uh, Daniel Wong as well. Um, but uh, thank you, Justine, to uh, here to share some of the stories around creating the comic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's so true what you said that there's so many kind of um, people and inspirations that kind of go into a comic book like this, like a labor of love for so, so long. Um, and kind of, I should say the first person that I feel um, like it was kind of inspired by was um, Megan, our uh, Megan McIntosh and our, um, she was doing this like oral history project. I don't know if you remember this. Um, So as part of that project, she um, was basically interviewing um, community leaders from various, uh, you know, like cultural backgrounds in Mississauga. And so one of that, uh, those backgrounds, I guess, um, that she was focusing on was um, the Polish community. So she was interviewing people. So one of the people that she interviewed was, um, was actually my husband, um, who's Polish. And, um, and he, it was really interesting because like reading what he was, uh, uh, or listening to what he was saying afterwards, it's kind of, one of those things where I was like oh I didn't know that he felt like that because he was talking about how basically learning about Polish history here in Canada actually helped him connect to his own heritage so that kind of struck me I was like oh that's really interesting and then I became very involved with the Orlinski Museum which is um basically a Polish military museum um in in Clarkson um and through that that's basically how I started to learn about oh there's actually a lot of connections with Canada and Poland in terms of um you know the first world war the second world war um them coming to canada so really what he was kind of i think trying to say like was it was very true actually um and so that's kind of where i started to look into all these all these connections and stories um from veterans and so um rear admiral uh ramold nash Tominsky was one of the people that um i originally kind of started learning about um because he has um kind of a display at Orlinsky Museum um we have his uniform and whatnot um and he's really interesting because right off the bat um you know they were saying oh well you know he saved 85 Canadians at Dieppe and I'm like what what like tell me more you know so I knew I there were there was something there was like teeth here there's something to kind of grasp onto um and uh, like a really big um I guess push for me I was like no no we have to do this story in particular is because um I was reading some of his uh writings um Tominsky's writings and in 
basically in 1982 for the 40th anniversary of Dieppe, he did a pilgrimage to Dieppe. And when he was there, um, he got together a bunch of his crewmates and uh, they all went there and they were really excited. And then um, they were let down because everyone was commemorated there except for the Polish contributions and yes and he and these like battle-hardened veterans are becoming very emotional he's having to like hold them back they're like you know some of them are becoming very upset and whatnot and like crying and so it was I was like oh my god like we have to tell that because that kind of reminded me as a Canadian I guess like of my own ignorance on the subject because like as a Canadian I'm coming at this from a totally different angle than someone that is like born there and in that kind of culture like I'm totally starting from scratch so I was like wait a second I didn't know that these people existed like I had no idea that 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 these people were in in our city of Mississauga I had no idea um so yeah so that was kind of that's when I realized I was like no no we have to do this story <laughs> we have to do this story um yeah so that was kind of inspiration for me I, I remember, well remember, although exact timing, I'm not sure, but I remember you uh, sharing that story, or at least the beginnings of, of the story, possibly as early when you were starting to explore it as well as being really a possible narrative for a future comic book. And uh, I, I want to say that's, you know, two, two and a half years ago, probably, <laughs> maybe even longer than that. Um, and just thinking, you know, that there's something here, like you said, there's teeth to something. And so that's a, a good segue into my, my next question is kind of that that evolution from thought to story to storyboard to comic. Uh, can you kind of briefly outline uh, that process? Uh, not only just the timing, the timeline it takes in terms of just working on it, but um, just you, you know what it's like to work with Daniel and uh, and uh, have the story evolve into the, into the final comic book. Can you walk us through kind of the steps that you go through? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, so you kind of first start just getting a general idea, um, which, you know, I, I, I just spoke to you about, about, you know, okay, there's teeth to something, there might be a story here. Um, but then you just really have to start researching it extremely heavily, because sometimes, you know, you might have a feeling about something and then, but uh, no, actually, there's not really like too much of a story that I can, I can do on this, you know, so you have to really like research that and understand it and live it. So that's really the very, very, very early stages. And that's kind of what I started a year ago. So I was living and breathing that storyline. Um, and, and that's also when I was starting to bring in kind of experts in this particular field, because I'm not an expert in that, in this field. Um, you know, and so I was bringing, in, um, people like Stan Sashevsky, who is, um, our researcher at our Wilinski Museum and has worked extensively with the Tominsky story. Um, I also was bringing in, um, uh, Richard Tovey, um, who is from the museum in the Royal Regiment of Canada. So he was kind of helping me understand the Canadian connection and the involvement um, of the regiment. And um, in particular, it was really interesting because he actually produced a list of names of um, the people from the Royal Regiment that made it back um, after the um, after the raid. Um, so then then I started looking at and that's like one of the things um, like I was saying 
that I kind of wanted to establish is like, are there any people who are local here that we can draw on that? Um, so that was that was a huge um, undertaking in terms of research as well. Um, so then after that, you kind of have to like that. That's kind of the pure research element. But then there's also very much a creativity element to it of of like what's the story here what's the broad strokes what am I actually trying to say like what's my thesis almost here um so like for me it was this idea of going back to my own experiences as a Canadian and being like I need to remember these veterans that are not only Canadian but have you know are also of these other backgrounds um you know and and, and kind of honoring them as well um and kind of finding the the common humanity that ties us all together like that was kind of something that I wanted people to get from it basically so then you kind of start writing the script after that and you're going page by page and illustrating like this is what I want to see here this is what I want if if I have a specific understanding of what I want them to say this is what I want them to say um, and then that basically gets passed on to our artist, Daniel Wong. Um, and so this is where we start bringing him in. Um, and but then the interesting thing is he has a totally different kind of place that he's coming from in terms of his immense creativity. Um, so it's actually very interesting um in that sense to like merge this like because I've been doing all the research and the heavy like background to this kind of okay well we have to how are we going to do this visually and so some of the things that I think are going to work totally don't work you know and, and then and that's and that's just the process right and you kind of go through and you're like how can I say this in a visual aspect and sometimes you don't need to say anything at all it's just visual um yeah so so there's a lot that kind of goes into that so the first layout draft is very very rough and it's kind of like okay do we want to do this do we want to do that because sometimes we're going to change we're going to change this entire page we're going to condense this story I think you were telling me the um uh, about an earlier comic where it was like you know it was supposed to be like 12 pages and then that thing was condensed into one and like, that was Lancaster yeah, comic yep <laughs> yeah 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 so there's a lot that can happen there right in the first draft and so we're kind of going back and forth um um and so uh you know uh daniel is very much bringing that creativity um uh to that that is so so much needed um and so then that's when he start, kind of starts going on to the more finalized line drawings and the color um and at that point it's kind of more finalized and we're just changing the text and we're editing you know uh, uh crossing t's and dotting i's and things like that um yeah and then we also write the the back cover text which is basically like the giving more history so it's kind of this weird full circle of, of things right yeah <laughs> i i'm fascinated because I, I i've said very similar things to you to you but it's it's fascinating to hear somebody else saying this this evolution this circle that we go in and it's it's, it's neat to see because we've you know done these for so long um and, it, and it's, it's also neat to see i think to give the depth of it because when someone picks up the comic they they see a storyboard a visual storyboard with you know little text bubbles but those text bubbles come out of uh a research and storytelling uh exploration that you've done you know like, like, like mm -hmm. it, it, there's there, there's a great deal of depth to these little text bubbles that people are saying in the comic book uh so i, I you know that's a marvelous process to kind of go through and like i said daniel brings the idea to life physically in a, in, a, in a graphic perspective and I think it, I, very powerful what you said sometimes you don't have to say anything sometimes the picture mm -hmm. 
is 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 the 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 narrative um so i it, it to me like like you said i i have to echo it it's just a fascinating process to take you know an idea to a story to you know through the research and then to see it graphically reproduced is just kind of a really neat process to be in um Legend of the Raid. Uh, I know we struggled with the title too at one point. We had lots of ideas going around. This is, uh, for anyone not sure what the raid refers to, it is the Dieppe Raid of 1942, which was a uh, failed raid uh, of the Allies trying to to make a landfall in Europe. Can you give us a little bit of background? Like paint the picture of where this story takes place or how it fits into that the, that that story. Okay painting a picture it's august 19th 1942 okay um but yeah so i mean you know so it's the early hours of the morning basically and um uh uh Romold Nalash Tominsky he's the commander of ORP Schlonzak and yeah and so he's basically um aboard um the ship and they're making their way um to Dieppe France uh to this fortress of Europe so um basically kind of the point of the raid was to test equipment and tactics um you know, and this would become very important later on for things like uh, D-Day, the Normandy landings. Um, so uh, basically their orders are to just basically quietly approach Dieppe and then they would strike with the element of surprise in the early morning hours, um, except that a landing craft and escort are spotted by the Germans. Um, and so from that point on, it's basically, um, it's doomed, it's a failure, um, because the whole point was that they're going to have the element of surprise, and guess what, now they don't. Um, and yeah, so, uh, and also too, when they were landing, when the troops were landing and, and getting out, um, trying to go up the beach, the beach was um, like, the end of it was very steep, there was kind of a steep, almost like wall. Um, and so it's very, very difficult for them to advance and so if you can kind of imagine just like basic military tactics it's really bad to have you know so like basically if you're on a lower ground and then the enemy is higher up it's like yeah. well good luck right so yeah it was extremely difficult for them to go um really further from from the beach some people did um and they didn't really get far so many people were killed um severely wounded many taken um as uh, prisoners of war um and then other people were basically they wanted to be rescued so they were trying to to be rescued trying to get back um to england and basically just like, you know, how do we do that? And they're more or less, they're drowning. And it's just a really bad scene, basically. Um, and so, yes, it is deemed a failure. And, but that being said, it taught them a lot of lessons, what not to do, but also some things to do, but mostly not to do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so into this, uh, uh sales, the, ORP Slazic under the command of Tominsky. Um, and that paints the picture for what our comic is about. This is this very brief moment of time in the in the larger theater of war that the Slazak plays a, a central war a role in rescuing Canadians from Dieppe. So paint that picture for us. There you go. You're being an artist again. Paint the picture for us again of yes. <laughs> the, the that moment of the failed raid and these this attempt of rescue of, of, of Canadian soldiers. 
Yeah. So, and I mean, I think really to understand his motivation as well, we almost have to look um, back at, at what, what happened to him kind of just before Diab. Um, you know, he's born in Poland. He's a very active young man. He's uh, does yachting, boxing, fencing. He was actually um, supposed to represent Poland in the 1940 Olympics for fencing, um, uh, which of course the 1940 Olympics never happened um, because in 1939, his home is invaded um, by the Germans and then um, by the Soviets. Um, so basically at the time though, he was actually on another ship so he wasn't even so that that was kind of in a way a good thing for him because he wasn't at home but he learned about the news and he said well I can't come home so he instead um sails to uh England and he ends up serving on the ORP of Bliskovica, uh, which was one of um three destroyers to uh basically escape um the initial occupation um in, uh, in the initial invasion rather um uh, in September of 39. Um, so yeah, so then he's basically, um, so he's second in command there, and then he's, uh, promoted to the commander of ORP Schlonzak. Um, so like the, to me, this kind of paints a picture of someone who is very, um, you know, uh, patriotic, very happy, uh, and, and proud to be, to be Polish. Right. Um, and he's like, he knows, you know, probably family, friends, all these coworkers, you know, whichever that are in Poland still that maybe have been killed. He doesn't know if they're still alive. Like this is a really scary time for these people. And they're in this foreign country. They don't speak the language. They don't know the people. Um, yet they, they put out a helping hand because, you know, to them, you know, if, if I can fight here, if I can liberate France, then that's one more country. If I can do liberate this country, that's one, that's another country to get home. Basically like they're trying to get home. They're trying to free their homeland. So like, yeah, so that to me is, um, and this is very, very similar story with so many um, other veterans and kind of how they were feeling at that time. So this is kind of the feeling that he has, the background to 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 Dieppe um, and, and, and how he gets there. So his job um, uh, in the raid is that he's basically supporting um, and, and accompanying uh, the landing crafts um, and the escorts and whatnot. Um, and he's trying to defend from basically like the air, the land, the sea, right? So when the fighting does erupt, there is massive like dog fights and, you know, aerial combat happening above him. And so um, a lot of like the German planes, they're trying to basically go down, um, you know, shoot at the, the people that are trying to land. So he's trying to get to them before they can do that. Um, they're zeroing in, in on him, um, a lot of the people said that were on the crew, they were saying like they could see the pilots like um, in the planes, they could see their faces as they were shooting at them. So um, yeah, I mean, a very, very scary situation. And then also there's also the artillery that's on land that are shoot actively shooting at the troops, um, massive damage, uh, uh, casualties and damages. So he's trying to also do that. So he he's kind of managing things on multiple levels here, but his main thing is he's basically set, uh, uh, told, you know, like don't get too close basically. And this is even um, from the very beginning, like his order, were like don't engage you know don't don't do this 
you know, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't just ride up on the enemy. Um, and in like, in some way, some people think that this is almost like a downfall of the raid as well, because um, he reportedly sees um, when the Germans kind of come up upon um some of the escorts and and you know and that's when they lose their element of surprise as i said earlier yeah. and he actually misinterprets this as coming from land because it's very hard to see um like it's the middle of the night it's hard to see um what's happening and he's fairly far away and after um after all this there's actually many a couple historians that were kind of saying well if, you know if he just had gone over it would have been saved which i feel like is kind of not really fair to him because it's like he's one destroyer um so really how much can he do and ultimately like that would just have alerted everyone like even if he knew what was happening which he didn't um you know that would have just alerted that oh now there's not now there's not just one or two people here there's like a whole you know army coming um so that would have been even worse but anyways so he kind of stays his course but he breaks that protocol when he realizes it's a failure people are dying if i don't do something no one else will and he was the only allied uh destroyer to go that close to shore and people um witnesses um there was a one veteran uh named joe ryan who was actually captured he wasn't um rescued by tominsky but he but he saw what was happening and he um said like he literally saw like, mud and rocks flying up like that's how close he was that so he was churning up um kind of like the seabed if you will um so it like it's a really scary situation and and so in all of this he's he's rescuing as many people as he can so you know in, including a couple of germans um 85 canadians and um i believe a few other people like there was um uh, some british people as well that he was also saving but ultimately the ship is damaged from all this chaos and so he's forced to go home um but in that he's still trying to pull people up um one of the last people that he saved uh was um someone from the RAF uh, who basically had parachuted out and so he parachuted down and the ship actually diverted course just for him to the one person so when he gets back he's uh hailed as a hero basically even though like we have to remember he disobeyed orders so he risked uh you know being court-martialed he risked um you know his higher-ups you know a, a coming down on him for this but instead he's awarded the distinguished service cross um and is hailed as a hero so um yeah so just honestly like an absolutely incredible story from a, an incredible person really and isn't it also that ryan was said that no one did more for canadians that day than than him yeah yeah so actually when he later came to canada um uh Tominsky and uh and ryan they became friends and so uh he in the his obituary um uh Tominsky's obituary he was interviewed and he was talking about his friend and he was like yeah i was there i remember and yeah no one did more for canadians to get them out than he did right so yeah so what uh, you mentioned, Tominsky comes to Canada, specifically to Mississauga. What what's that connection? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, so after the raid, uh, you know, he continues to serve. He's um, also active in the Normandy landings. Um, two years later, 
whatnot. He's put in charge of Orpi Conrad, uh, which is Poland's largest uh, ship. Um, but after the war, he uh, joins navies in like Bahamas, Pakistan. So he's really traveling the world. But in 1980, he decides that he wants to more settle down um, and he's going to immigrate to Canada. Um, so basically the Royal Regiment of Canada hears this and they decide to help him immigrate to Canada. Um, and so they were very supportive of him and, and kind of helped to more or less sponsor him here, um, and, and his wife, um, and he's made rear admiral, um, so very high rank, uh, in the Polish Navy. Um, and he becomes very closely associated with the Royal Regiment of Canada and various other, um, like veteran, uh, organizations that are Polish, Canadian, whatnot. So he's very active in this community because ultimately he um, just really wanted to make sure that the story of, of veterans, be it Canadian, be it Polish, that their sacrifices were remembered, right? Because like he's seeing people, you know, so many people unfortunately dying and all this kind of, and, and just the amount of of bravery that went into it this i mean you know three of his crew were were killed that day um right. and you know so we have to remember like he when he's thinking about about these things he's like well you know it's not really about me it's about all those people that gave their ultimate sacrifice um so he um ended up coming to mississauga and he lived at the valvula seniors residence with his wife as well um, and he passed away um, at the age of 98, I believe, uh, in uh, 2003. So, um, yeah, so Miss Saga was his last home, um, but kind of a world traveler, really. <laughs> and he, so he's connected to, you mentioned earlier about the Orlinsky Museum, which is yeah. located in uh, Wawa Villa. Um, yeah. Tell me about, you know, not only his connection to that, but the museum itself, if you can do that to uh, just give us a brief uh, outline of, of, of the museum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, it was formed in 2002 by uh, veteran Krzysztof Szewalski and also uh, George Kowalczyk, uh, who is the son of a veteran. Um, and he was actually very instrumental in helping to build a Valvula as well. Um, and so a lot of the people that ended up like um, actually uh, more or less supporting the seniors residents and, and living there ended up being a lot of veterans like that's just kind of the time period that we're talking about that's when these people are are kind of you know getting into their twilight years um so they were kind of they really wanted to make sure that that their stories were being remembered so um it was really uh colonel Wolesław orlinski really who actually was instrumental in starting it because he left it in his will he said i want a museum to be made at valvula to honor the veterans and you know and he left uh, left us funds to do so um he was a veteran of three wars the first world war the polish soviet war and the second world war um so you know these are all contemporaries basically they're all living there around the same time um i mean i'm sure they would have known each other um so anyway so so just like um orlinski uh, who the museum is named after uh Tominsky was very also a supporter of the museum so he donated um some of his belongings as well to um um to the museum and in 2019 we kind of officially incorporated as a non-for-profit uh museum so yeah so it's a, a kind of a bright new future and at the museum you can see Tominsky's uniform as well yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And various other things that he, he donated as well. Okay. So, yeah. Um, let's get to the launch party itself. Um, when and where? How can people come out to see? And, and this is an invitation. So come out to the comic launch. Pick up a comic book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, everyone is welcome. Please come. Um, to, so it's on November twelfth. Uh, so that's on Sunday. Um, from two to five p.m. And so it's um at Valvilla Seniors Residence, which is uh eight eight zero Clarkson Road South, I believe. <laughs> um and it's in the reception room, which is kind of around the back. So if you're coming that day, you can actually just go all the way around to the back and then enter that way. Um and so there will be um reenactors, vendors, displays, historic displays, food, um, speeches. So there's gonna be a lot of different things that are happening that day. So definitely feel free to come out and um, experience it all, but all and grab a comic, um, but also, you know, remember and, 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 and kind of celebrate the life of, uh, of Ramul Nalash Chaminsky. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and uh, if you uh, cannot come as well, then, you know, you can pick up your comic at the Grange afterwards or online um, on our website. So. Yeah. And, and like I said, the, these are, you know, they're a labor of love. It's a lot of research. There's a lot of, uh, um, history that goes into the creating of a comic and so when you pick up this little nugget of of, of a story um, it's a remarkable way to explore and connect with our past um, and not only here in Canada but of course a comic like this touches on to a broader historical worldwide topic um, but it explores as you said the, the the story of a remarkable individual who for a period of time lived here in Mississauga um, and so there's the, those neat connections and I know there's other connections in the book to local veterans as well uh, a lot of layers to the story but uh, with that Justine, thank you. Um, and just everyone come out on November 12th at Vave Villa um, and pick up a comic, uh, enjoy the launch of the comic, but also uh, feel free to pick a copy up at our offices at the Grange afterwards uh, and um, uh, they're free. Um, and uh, you can also explore it online. So a great new addition to our ongoing uh, Grange comic book series. So kudos, Justine. It, uh, it is fantastic work. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, with that, thank you for joining us with Ask a Historian. Be sure to send in your questions and we'll help explore local history here on Ask a Historian. Like, subscribe, and follow us. Stay up to date on all the heritage happenings with Heritage Mississauga. And we'll see you in a future episode of Ask a Historian.